Chapter 3 of Seven Autumn Leaves from Fairyland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Liz Gents, Falcon, Colorado. Seven Autumn Leaves from Fairyland by E. Cunningham. Chapter 3 Dimple. There was once a little girl who laughed so much and was so merry and good-humored that her cheeks and chin were full of soft dimples, and everyone called her Dimple from the time she was a baby. She lived in the country, and as she was always running about the meadows picking buttercups and violets, or wading with bare feet in the brook, everyone in the neighborhood knew her and liked her. As she grew older, she drove the cows to pasture in the morning and home again at night for her mother, and weeded their little garden and helped to wash and mend the clothes and was a very useful little maiden indeed. Her hair was golden and hung very full and long all around her shoulders, and the people said no one in the whole world had such beautiful hair as their little dimple. But if her hair was beautiful, it was not a bit more so than her mouth, her nose, and her eyes. Nothing could be sweeter than her dear little mouth and her blue eyes with their long, dark eyelashes, except possibly her little nose, which was the most perfect nose anybody ever had. But little Dimple, like most little girls, had her faults. She liked to look at things which were forbidden and she was too much given to jam. If she could find any jam, she ate all she could get, and sometimes got quite sick by doing so, which was both naughty and foolish. Her mother often told her some misfortune would happen to her if she did not mend, and at last had to give up jam in the house altogether, and no one had any because little Dimple would get it and eat it if it were in any closet. So they had no jam. Little Dimple grew and grew, and by and by she was quite a tall, handy girl, and knew how to do all household work. In that country lived an old fairy of whom everybody was rather afraid, but who was kind enough to good people, especially if they happened to be poor. This fairy wanted a house girl, and as she treated her housegirls very well when she liked them and always gave them some nice clothes and pretty presents when they left to be married, a great many young girls wished to be her housemaid. But she chose Dimple, for she had often seen her driving the cow to pasture and weeding her mother's garden, and she knew she was industrious and sweet-tempered, and she liked her pretty face and her wavy golden hair. So Dimple went, but before she went, her mother said, Now, Dimple, remember your mistress is a fairy. Obey her, and all will be well. Disobey her, and you had better not have lived. Don't look where you are forbidden, and don't eat jam. Dimple promised, but she had not been a month at the fairy's house, when one morning the fairy unlocked the door of a great closet, went in, and soon brought out a dish of strawberry jam, 
and put it on the supper table. She gave Dimple some and took some herself and then put it on the shelf and said it must last a week. She had carefully locked the closet door when she came out. Now if there was one thing in the whole world that Dimple liked, it was strawberry jam. The more she looked at the dish on the shelf, the more she wanted it, until at last when the fairy had gone to bed, she pushed a chair to the shelf and ate hastily and fearfully a good quarter of what was left. Then she went to bed, but lay awake a long time thinking over what she had done and wondering what the fairy would say in the morning. The morning came, and the fairy took down the dish for breakfast. Why, who has been eating my jam? said she. Dimple turned very red and said, Perhaps it was a rat. The fairy said nothing more, and they ate their breakfast in silence. The next evening, Dimple could not resist eating some more, and she took another quarter. In the morning, the fairy took down the dish and cried, Why, who could have eaten the jam? Dimple said again, Perhaps it was a rat. And again, they sat down and ate their breakfast without talking, as they usually did at breakfast time. The next night, Dimple finished the jam as she thought the fairy believed it was to be eaten by a rat. In the morning, the fairy took down the dish, and seeing it was empty, she said, Why, who could have eaten the jam? And Dimple again answered, Perhaps it was a rat. The fairy was very silent for two or three days, but she brought out no more jam. Dimple looked at the great door of the closet and wished she could go in there where doubtless there was boundless jam. But the lock was strong and she had no key, for the fairy always kept the key in her room. At last one day the fairy changed all her clothes in order to go away and see the king of the country. And before she went she told Dimple she must keep the house clean and neat, but she must not go into her room on any account. Then off she went. So Dimple bustled about the house and made it as clean and white as a pin everywhere, for she was very neat and clever and no speck of dust could stay a minute. She was so quick to brush it away. But after a day or two, she began to long to look into the fairy's room. That was very naughty, you know. But from thinking about it only, she at last looked in through the keyhole, and finally, on the fourth day, she fairly opened the door. The room was very still, the sun was shining in, and there was nothing to see beyond the fairy's everyday clothes hanging on a peg by the window. Dimple was about to shut the door and go away when she bethought herself that perhaps the key of the closet was in the pocket of the clothes. She immediately ran across, felt of the clothes, and there, sure enough, was the great key. She took it out and hurried downstairs to the closet. In a moment, 
the door was open, and there indeed was boundless jam. She might eat a week, and no one could see the difference. There were great jars like barrels full of it, and dishes and dishes. She seized a spoon and had taken a mouthful when she felt a touch on her shoulder. She turned, and there was the fairy. Her face was no longer kind and gentle, but very severe, and little Dimple would have been glad to sink into the ground. As she stood there, the spoon in her hand, her pretty mouth red with jam and with frightened eyes. You have stolen, you have lied, and you have broken into my closet. What shall I do to you? said the fairy. Poor little Dimple answered never a word. If you were a bad girl altogether, said the fairy, I would make you old and ugly forever, but you have been a good girl until now, so I give you a chance. Go home and look in the glass. What I give you, you shall keep until you give away what you like best. Then little Dimple, glad to escape, hurried out of the house and home to her mother's as fast as she could run, and the first thing she did when she got there was to look in the glass. Oh, what a sight she saw! On each cheek a patch of jam so large that they made her eyes look small and her nose look pinched. Bright red strawberry jam patches! Never was a little girl made such a fright. No one could know her for little Dimple, for she looked more like old Bottlenose, the ragman, than she did like a little girl. As soon as Dimple caught sight of this sad change, she quite fainted away and fell upon the floor. Her mother heard the noise, and running upstairs, at first thought it was some old woman who had stolen little Dimple's clothes. But when Dimple could speak and told her the whole story, then she saw it was her own little daughter, and she comforted her and kissed her without minding the change. So Dimple lived with her mother, and she never went out till dark, and she saw no one, and she tied her beautiful hair in a close knot behind her head. Only in her room at night she let it down and combed it and smoothed it and kissed it and cried over it, for it was the only thing left of her happy days. She and her mother often talked over the fairy's last words, but neither of them could understand what they meant, nor how she was ever to get rid of her dreadful jam face. All the neighbors by and by came to know of it, because she was sometimes seen weeding the garden or milking the cow. So her mother was obliged to tell the whole story. After a while, too, poor Dimple got a little used to her new face, and as she was really good, she did not wish her mother to drive the cow to pasture or to fetch wood. So she went out more and more, and everybody knew of her ugliness. I am so sorry to say the little boys and young men were not very kind, and they laughed at her and called her old jam, and by and by 
that came to be her name instead of her pretty one of Dimple. All this was hard enough, but worse was to come. One day her mother died, and poor Dimple had to go and get her living as best she could. She tried to find a place as maid in some farmer's house, but though everyone knew how hard she worked and how good-hearted she was, they could not bear to see such an ugly face all day long. So she went from place to place until at last the only thing she could get to do was to sweep the prison, for which they only gave her a little bread and water to live on, and now and then an old gown for her dress. Thus you see, poor Dimple, half-starved and ragged with bare feet and a dirty handkerchief on her head, sweeping the rough floor of the prison, with no friend in the world and nothing to comfort her except her golden hair, which every night she let down and combed and kissed and cried over as all she had of those happy days when she ran through the meadows and played in the brook, and everybody loved her. But all this time, though nobody knew it, not even Dimple herself, she was as beautiful as ever, all except the jam patches. Her mouth was like a rosebud, her eyes were like angel's eyes, her hair was wavy and golden, and so full that when she let it down, it was like a cloud all around her and kept her warm at night. Her skin under her old rags was as white as snow, and her hands and feet, though made rough by hard work, were the prettiest little hands and feet ever seen since the days of Cinderella. But her hair by day was always tightly tied up and under the handkerchief. Her eyes and nose were made small and ugly by the swollen cheeks, and nobody could see the pretty shape under the ragged old gown. So she was called Old Jam and swept the prison, and often she lay awake half the night, wondering what the fairy's words meant. What I give you, you shall keep, until you give away what you like best. Now it happened, when poor Dimple had swept the prison some six months or so, that a great storm came in that country, and in the storm a ship was broken on the rocks, and all the people drowned except one, who was washed ashore among the pieces of wood and wreck. When the people found him, they brought him to the king and said he was a robber, and that the ship was a robber ship, and that the man could be killed. So the king put him in prison that he might think about it. When he was brought to the prison, he had been so hardly treated, first by the rough waves and then by the rough people, that he indeed looked like a robber for his clothes were very ragged and dirty, his hair and beard were rough and uncombed, and his face was thin and haggard for want of food. But he was not a robber at all. He was a noble young prince, the son of another king, who was at war with the king of the country. And therefore, if he had been known to be the prince he was, the king would never have let him go. So he said nothing about it, hoping he might find a chance to run away, as long as they thought he was only a common robber. They treated him very badly in the prison. They kicked and struck him, and sometimes gave him nothing to eat the whole day, 
not even a small piece of bread. No one was kind to him except poor Dimple, who was always kind to everyone. When she came to sweep the robber's room, she always brought him half her bread, though she had not enough for herself. And seeing that everyone said hard things to him, she spoke kindly and told him not to give up hoping. At first, he did not like to look at her. Her red, jammed face was so very disagreeable. But when he found she had a gentle, silvery voice and angel eyes, he did not notice the rest so much. But still, it must be confessed, he thought her an ugly old woman, for he was a handsome young prince underneath his rags and dirt and rough hair, and in his own country, all the young ladies were in love with him. Thus, every day she gave him bread and words of comfort and was the only friend he had. At last one day, the jailer came in and said to the supposed robber, Tomorrow you will be free, for the king's order has come that you are to be burnt alive. Then the prince was very sorry. Towards evening came poor Dimple to sweep the prison. Tomorrow, said he, I am to be burnt alive. But if I had a rope this night, I could escape from the window and cheat the cruel king. Then Dimple bethought herself. There was no rope, but there was her thick, long hair. It was her only happiness left, but the poor prisoner would burn without it. She pulled off the handkerchief, and in a moment her hair fell down around her like a golden mantle. With her scissors, she cut it off close to her head, handful after handful, as fast as she could, lest her resolution should give way, and throwing it on the bench where he sat, she cried half breathless, The rope is there, weave quickly, or the morning will come, and then turn to go. But the young prince started to his feet. Stop, he cried. Who are you? And he stretched out his arms and would have caught her, but she was gone in a moment. No wonder he started, for she had not knowing it fulfilled the fairy's words. She had given away what she liked best, and the reward had come as instantly as the original punishment. The horrible strawberry jam patches had gone, and as she spoke her last words to him, the prince had seen before him the most lovely face he had ever looked upon, instead of the ugly image that was there a moment ago. But he had no time to lose. He must weave his rope from the golden hair and let himself down from the window and get safe to the seashore before morning, or he would burn in quick fire. He wove fast and long before morning. He had reached the shore and found a boat. He hoisted his sail, and the wind blowing fair, he soon reached his father's kingdom and was safe. Now we must see what became of poor Dimple. She had no looking-glass now, and she did not know of the change that had happened. All she could do was to sit up all night and cry over the loss of her dear hair though she said to herself over and over again she would rather lose it and her head too than that the poor robber should be burnt but when morning came and the jailer looked into the prison 
they found the prisoner gone and a rope hanging at the window. So they carried the rope to the king, and all the wise men came and looked at it, and they said it was made of the hair of a woman's head. But the jailer said there was no woman in the prison except old Jam, and she had no hair, always wearing a dirty old handkerchief on her head. Bring her here, said the king sternly. But when they went to look for her, they found in the room no old Jam, but a most beautiful young maiden. However, they took her to the king, and when they removed the handkerchief, there plainly enough everyone could see that she had golden hair, and that it had all just been cut off. She is a witch, said the wise men, and she has changed herself. So the king ordered that she should be burned instead of the robber, and gave thirty days for all his people to hear the story and to come and see her burned. So poor Dimple seems to be in worse case than ever before. Now we will turn to the young prince again. Though safe at home in his father's palace, and with all the lovely ladies making much of him, he cannot forget, even for a single moment, the heavenly face he saw in the dark prison as Dimple turned to leave him. He had kept a little lock of her hair, which he wore on his heart, and kissed many hundred times every night, so that his sleep was broken, and his father began to fear he would fall sick and die. So then the father, being a wise king and loving his son, asked him many times why he was so troubled, until at last the prince told him the whole story, and said he never could be well unless he could marry the prison maiden. And the king said, Take ten thousand horsemen and ride straight through that country to the prison and bring her home. And if she is as beautiful and good as you say, you shall marry her, though she and her ancestors have swept the prison for a thousand years. Then the prince was joyful, and he and his horsemen set out upon their journey. When they arrived at the borders of the country of the other king, the prince heard that a great festival was taking place because of the burning of a witch who had given her hair for a prisoner to escape. And he knew it was poor Dimple and hastened, and he and his soldiers rode day and night. Now the day had come for poor Dimple to be burned, and that she might make a better show, they had given her new and handsome clothes and glasses, and brushes, and baths. So she had seen her own face, and knew her jam patches were gone, and what the fairy's words meant. But now that she was handsome again, she began to think more of the poor robber, and to love him, though she did not know he was a prince. And loving him, she thought she would rather be burnt than have him burnt. The king and wise men and all the people sat in a circle on benches, and in the middle poor little Dimple, all dressed in silk and cloth of gold, so that she looked like a princess, was fastened with iron chains to a post, and piles of wood, ready for the burning, were set all around. But just as the king gave the order to light the fire, everyone heard a distant sound that shook the earth, all waited and listened 
Nearer and nearer it came, and then suddenly through the trees and houses that were around the square came riding furiously so many horsemen that no one could count them. They broke through the ring of soldiers, and riding up to Dimple, the prince, their captain, cut the chains with quick blows of his sword, and lifting her onto his horse, they all rode away as fast as they had come. And the king and his people never ceased to believe that poor Dimple had done it all by her witchcraft. The prince's father liked Dimple when he saw her, and was very ready his son should marry a maiden so good and so beautiful. So there was a great marriage, and in the midst of it, who should walk into the church but the old fairy, leading by the hand Dimple's mother, who was not dead after all, the fairy only having taken her away for a time, that Dimple might at last have no friend or comforter but her own golden hair, and so be able to fulfill the fairy's words. Dimple and the prince lived happily and prosperously, and when at last they became king and queen, it was said in that country there had never been so good a king and queen since the beginning of time. They had so many little girls and boys, and above all things, Dimple taught them not to go where they were forbidden, not to take what was not theirs, and always to tell the truth. And now, little folks, I know what question you want to ask, whether Dimple's hair ever grew again. Yes, indeed it did so long, so wavy, so golden, that a thousand years after she was known to the people of that country by the name of the queen with the golden hair. And what did the fairy do with the rest of the jam? asks four-year-old Madge. She put it in closets here and there for nice little girls. Oh, yes, cries she eagerly. I know, we have got some but I didn't know before the way it came. End of chapter three. Recording by Liz Gents, Falcon, Colorado.